And welcome back, rugby fans, to another fantastic rugby debate here with your team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A little different, the cast of this episode, as we have Scott Ferrara, who's taking a well-deserved break on this round, which allows us the opportunity to reintroduce some of our familiar ranters of past. So let me remind you, this is the Rugby <laughs> Rant Show, where we put ourselves and our guests to the test as they battle it out for top honors debating whatever it may be that you've decided is important and this week we're going to dissect the draft helping us do that is going to be rick collins from texas rugby monthly alongside him we got arminta gunkel the super fan for the old glory dc and then of course the familiar face of rob the hammer hammerschmidt who will be hopefully holding down the fort and uh, raising the flag for team rugby rant here in this uh, debate However, he has two worthy opponents, as I mentioned before. But before we dive into that, what we do over here cannot be done without some friends. And I want Rob to be able to share exactly who that is. I'll do just that. But let me just say, uh, I'm frankly, I'm scared of Arminta today. Uh, that Waikato warrior behind me, uh, behind her, excuse me, looks like it would reach through this screen and attack me if I dare put her on notice. So I'll watch my P's and Q's. Armenta, uh, uh, Rick, um, you're not going to fare so easy. So get ready. Oh, yeah, he doesn't, up. Not um, holding back with Rick at all then. <laughs> Never. But uh, thankfully, uh, we cannot do this without our very special supporters, and that would be Tight Ed Brewing Company. Tight Ed Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tight Ed staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tight Ed's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse excuse me, in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. And quite frankly, you should be able to enjoy quite a bit of rugby this fall. We, of course, have the Rugby Championship. We have the Women's World Cup. We have USA and Canada qualifiers. So, And, and, and I think later on in the fall, we're going to have some HSBC 7s. So there is chock full of rugby to catch at Tighthead. So, hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Have you been enjoying a couple of those beers already? <laughs> That's why it's hard. <laughs> Rob, by the way, is quality control. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, all 10 of their new brews, and quite frankly, they're all yummy. <laughs> right, exactly, right? So you got to be able to test it to know that you love it, right? And uh, yeah. that's exactly it. But we really are spoiled with how much great rugby is coming up. And that's why we on the Rugby Rant are super excited. But we want to be able to dive into something that happened more recently, which, of course, is the MLR draft, the second time ever that this has happened in American and Canadian rugby history. But this time our Canadian partners joined us, which is excellent to see. So for those of you who are not yet familiar what took place, the MLR Collegiate Draft is a pathway for college athletes to be able to make their way into professional rugby, at least one of those pathways, right? And it kind of follows that similar format that sports fans across the North American landscape have enjoyed from other sporting products. But now we've taken that, we've brought it into rugby, and we've made it its own unique product. And the entertainment value is what we will discuss as a product, how did the MLR draft serve the purpose to grow rugby fans across the U.S. and Canada? Was it something that's marketable, success story or not? That's the question we'll ask these guys here today. But before then, I remind our viewers it was featured 
on Fox Sports 2. The first time it had ever been done so. So there's an elevated broadcast value that comes with a certain expectation when you are being broadcast there. The second hour of which was on the Rugby Network, which didn't exist the last time around. So there's two positives already in their corner. Now, it was 33, 39, I stand corrected, 39 total picks over three drafts. 2020 only saw two uh, rounds and total of 24 picks, roughly a little bit more than 200 athletes declared. But of course, only 39 will find a new home in Major League Rugby. But once again, we're going to hand it over to our ranters who are each given two minutes to talk about this topic at hand. Staying under it is key because if they don't, they may receive the yellow. Continue to do so, and it might be the red, and they're out for the next <laughs> round. We're going to hand the floor and the mic to Rick Collins to start us off. What do you think of the MLR Draft 2021 as a product? I love the product in terms of what they did for the players. Uh, the Rugby Showcase as being a part of the product of the draft in preparing players, giving them a place to present themselves. Um, I think they did right by the players by having as many as they could in the studio to be given their jersey or their hat uh, during the draft. I really like that. The production, as far as the fans go, um, I don't think it was as big a step up from year one as I hoped. I really thought um, we deserved at least two hours on FS2. Um, we only got an hour, and then we had to transition. If you were out at a pub, and you had FS2, and then how do you transition it to the rugby network? I think that was a an issue that they're going to have to look at because I think a lot of people are going to go to the pub to watch this. I mean, that's kind of how the NFL draft is, right? A lot of people go out, get in groups, and watch this. I think having that transition is not very good. Um, I almost would have preferred that they kept the whole thing on the rugby network. Just my opinion. I love the fact that they're given an opportunity for national broadcasts for people who are not rugby fans to come across it and watch it. But I don't think the product is quite there yet. The production value is not quite there yet. Um, I'd love to see them do it with all of the players uh, or as many as possible in a, a green room as the NFL does um, have some fans show up in the city. Dallas would be a decent place to do it um, and, <laughs> and, and enjoy it as a, a, a true product for the fans and not necessarily just for the players and the teams. Right. And two, how, why do we need three picks in five seconds? Give us some time, <laughs> especially for us who are on live trying to analyze these picks. It's impossible. So you bring up something that we brought up last year as well, was this kind mm. of these round of three picks. And we on the Rugby Rant have been covering this on a regular basis live. Uh, Rob and Scott did it on this last occasion as I was on my way to Rugby Town 7s. Uh, however, it's very hard to be able to digest and also a little unfair to those players who are announced rapid fire. Um, and by the time I heard the last name, I've forgotten the first name. Um, so then I was scrabbling to be able to get the information. Where is he from? Where is that from? So I don't think each player is properly showcased and highlighted, right? Would you agree with that statement, Rick? I absolutely agree with it. You've got to give some highlights, something for the player. And they've got three people there to analyze the picks. Right. This and is their moment to shine. It's yeah, a huge and moment. And they get, how is hey, Connor by the supposed way, to analyze the guy when he was five picks ago? And all of a sudden right. now they're picking again. 
Right. So it's very hard to be able to follow as a viewer is probably what we've got as a takeaway from this. The second half is that the players probably aren't highlighted in the way that they should be. This is a big moment. So make it big, right? Uh, let's hand it over to Aminta. I'm sure you're going to piggyback on some of this. So let's give you your two minutes. All right. So yes, um, I love that it was on the rugby network. I felt like that absolutely, it gave international um, viewers a chance to right. tune in. Um, and for some people, that's the way that they've been watching MLR this entire season. Um, but there are some things that I didn't love. I didn't love it how quickly they went and how when they did showcase some people, they showcased weird random facts. And I want to see like Eric likes baking. You have all the <laughs> you have all that tape. You have all that tape. Use it. I want to see some right. highlights. I want to see some of that. Do you have anything from the rugby showcase you can show us? You know, I want to see Caleb Strom. I want to see his fastest. You know, whatever he did. Um, I also kind of felt like they focused on because of the order. They focused on a couple of teams more than others. And I don't feel like they got kind of their due. Um, and I and I think that that means, you know, more time in between picks, um, et cetera. But I mean, at the same time, I think it also highlights um, the way that universities are feeding into this draft program and that they are, you know, highlight that. You know, you can obviously see that Lindenwood had a huge presence. Um, Penn State had a huge presence. Um, highlight, you know, highlight those universities, get buy-in from them, um, things like that. But I mean, overall, it's year two. We're still dealing with COVID. And, you know, at some, in some ways, you know, their hands were tied. But at the same time, I also want to see like some live reactions from players and, you know, give me that, <laughs> like the NFL right. draft does. But if they did that, we would have nothing to do in the rugby rank because that's what we do. <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like the, I don't know who arranged all of that, but th those were awesome to see. That's Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt. He yeah, gets an extra point. To, to see the players in that capacity. And um, that was a great for the fans, I think. Right. So let's, let's dive into some of those points there. One, yes, it was fantastic to be able to have it shown on the rugby network because as you so rightly pointed out, it's the it's the international viewership that we can now engage, which has been one of the great rewards of having this platform is that there's more viewers from, uh, from uh, the Southern Hemisphere than there have ever been, right? Because they have access and it's free access is the other half of that, mm -hmm. right? And also they're being introduced. And for me also, having been born in South Africa, Rob and Scott have both tried to explain the draft concept to me before <laughs> several times. I don't think I properly understand it still. Um, however, it's still exciting. But, you know, we, I we had to make a coloring book for Ty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, minus one for Rob. Um, <laughs> uh, you're even now, you're part. So, here's my point, though, is it's a great introduction to something. Uh, that fans might not be used to from elsewhere in the globe. Um, now, doing it on FS2, as you say, is fantastic, but was it the best 
product was mm -hmm. an almost a condensed version because they were restricted for time. And also was it great to be able to have it on two different platforms? It's difficult to be able to answer that because it depends on what your measurement of success is. So Rick pointed out, well, he might've enjoyed having it all on the rugby network. Well, that's also a good point because it, it kind of felt a little disjointed, like, hey, enjoy the second half over here. Um, and maybe you didn't have access. Maybe you lost 50% of your viewership. Maybe it was more. But if you didn't even have it on Fox Sports 2, would you even have connected with as many people as you could have? So it depends on what your measurement for success is. We don't have the answer to that. Um, but you brought up some really great and valid points. Um, you echoed some of the same points that Rick had said. You built on them very nicely. Great round for Aminta. Let's hand it over to Rob Habishman. Right. So I think the key here is, at least for the the good, is baby steps. We've seen a little bit of growth, which is always good. You just want to see some progress, right? Obviously, uh, an additional hour uh, thrown in there, an additional round. Um, how about Toronto Arrows joining? So rather than, you know, one team not in it, and, you know, it's hard to explain to fans why, um, they were fully in it. Granted, they took guys from Canada, but hey, it, it was great to see them involved. Um, and I, for the Things that Armenta and, and Rick talked about, I won't rehash those. I think those were all positive things. I think we have to keep in mind that this was a tape product rather than live, and that's a big difference between something like the NFL and what we have here in Major League Rugby. So the spontaneity is taken out of it, right? And I think that's the challenge. In order to have the spontaneity that, that – and, and by the way, I agree with Armenta on that. In order to have that spontaneity, it's got to be live. I think uh, during the day as we were preparing – like Scott and I were going back and forth that, that that rumors were getting out and the MLR was starting to freeze team out teams out from information. Right. And that takes away from that spontaneity that they were trying to create. Well, how do you get that? You know, you, you got to go live, right. You got to make it a live broadcast. So that's truly spontaneous. Um, I, I love the fact that there's a tape out of, of Tanache and Emmanuel. Those guys were in the lines down as, as their names were called, and it created that spontaneity. It'd be great to see the league be able to go on location to a couple of those watch parties. Here's what I'm going to say. How do they improve next year? What's one thing? How about having D1A and top NCR programs on the rugby network all season as we go into college season so that next draft fans will be able to say, I remember that name. Oh, wait, he played for Lindenwood. He played for life. He played for St. Mary's. Oh, I remember that kid from AIC. So when we get to the draft, they have that connection between college rugby and the draft. Right. They know you can it. follow the narrative, the story, right? right? We all know the yeah. story is what sells it, right? I mean, in, in viewership at least, right? I 100% agree. And I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, and what what better way, by the way, to create and generate more interest overall in rugby than the rugby network to continue to have content, which includes D1A on top NCR right. programs. Cheap content that you can advertise. Absolutely. Now, and, and, there, and there's just, probably questions about quality of broadcast, though, in between. It's not a simple fix here, right? Yes, you can no. get the content. Quality levels is another half of that. that Watch this. With D1A programs, especially your top ones, I can speak for life. I can speak for Lindenwood. I can speak for St. Mary's. I can speak for Cal. Those teams actually have the ability to broadcast with their university broadcast programs. And what you do is you flip them, you flip them a little hop, right? They can actually sell advertising spots in their, uh, on, their pro, on their programming to give them a little bit of skin in the game to help increase their production value. I and love that so, idea. When you, when you start talking about NCR programs, People don't have the same expectations of an SMU, uh, mm. you know, uh, putting a game on as they would a Cal Barkley or Lindenwood 
or life. So even if the production quality is not as good, I mean, we looked at highlights of these kids. Some of the highlights are almost unwatchable. Right. Um, and the, the other half of that, though, too, and is that they obviously had to put these tapes together or have somebody help them do it, right? Um, and that could have also been a part of the buildup. They, they obviously did have them. And if you're not at least having access to watching these guys play on a regular basis, a more free flow of those tapes should have been available for people to view beforehand. So some part of, of their story could be shared, right? And, and a production team is available with the MLR. Yes, they're busy, of course, but that needs to be a polished product as well. It needs to be a part of that package. So we've debated this from a couple of different angles. We've brought a lot of great value to the conversation, some of which was most recently revealed with the idea that there should be a story. You should be able to follow these, these players. You should be able to get invested in their careers so that when they do get drafted, there's the suspense, which is what the, uh, the uh, NFL draft has that the MLR does not. And hopefully it will have this component and these elements added into it, but we're only in year two. And as our mentor pointed out, we need to be able to, you know, uh, be realistic with our expectations. Rob also pointed out it was a canned product. Reason being, I meant to have mentioned it as well, that we're still in COVID. Rick, I know you said that, you know what, you might very well prefer to have it in one platform and have it as one great rugby product. Splitting the two is probably dividing your attention and your reach. So these are all great points. We're going to put a pin in it while we take a break to be able to learn something about one of our sponsors. So we'll be back in just a moment. Once again, we'd like to continue to thank one of our sponsors, and that sponsor is Can I Brands. Can I Brands is a safe CBD alternative to some of the other types of products that are out there. Uh, they offer a number of different products that can help you heal. It can help you get to sleep or it can give you that boost you need in the afternoon. And that's the one I like most, the Can I Boost. One of the, well, there's a couple of reasons why I like it. One of them is that it is low in calories. So rather than grabbing that Coke, rather than grabbing, you know, something high in calories, 150, 170 calories, you put a couple drops on the tongue. It gives you that boost you need in the afternoon. It's low cal, it gives you your caffeine, and it really gives you the boost you need to get through the rest of your day. Um, Ty, what are, what are your favorite products? Well, I got to agree with you that it's got to be the Can I Boost. Uh, for those familiar to the Rugby Rant, if you don't already know, we do this pretty much late into the evening. Uh, so as a little boost, nothing better, right? A little bit of caffeine gives you that bit of energy to be able to get through the next three hours that we record, post-production, all of those things. Uh, but it really does perk you. And as Rob pointed out, it's a really great alternative to your other caffeine-based products that do or have in high in calories. But I think the best thing that I enjoy about Can I Brands is that you've got many ways to enjoy it. So whether it be a dropper like this, eight drops under the tongue, or you prefer the spray, this one over here is really good um, when you find yourself in the middle of a day, a little dragging, Can I Fresh. The other one I like is sleep can i sleep for obvious mm. reasons yeah. so you know if you pair them well you got the can i boost and then the can i sleep don't do them at the same time right <laughs> no just confuse the heck out of you 
But it's really great for a couple of reasons. You know, you said it's non-habit forming. It's a great alternative to other prescription drugs that are habit forming. It's CBD, plant-based, vegan product. So, you know, you don't have to worry about a whole bunch of other stuff being added in there. It's 0% THC, it's, you know, so as a result, there's none of those other things that if you don't want it, it's not there. It's really about health, wellness, revitalize, refresh, and energize. So they're really great. Go check them out, canibrands.com. Because we partner with them, we're going to be sharing a promo code that allow 25% off everything in your basket. So go ahead and put as much as you can. Once it's over $49, you'll get free shipping anywhere in the continental US, plus that 25% off when you use the promo code RANT25. I say it again, RANT25 for 25% off everything inside your basket and for over 49 bucks gets your free shipping as well. So why not? Right. And uh, again, Rick's writing it down. To be able to share canibrands.com. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. <laughs> and welcome back rugby fans. Of course we are here in the rugby rant podcast show. <laughs> Joining us is Rob, the hammer hammer Schmidt. I'm into Gunkel and Rick Collins who have battled it out already in round one, talking about, the MLR drop as a product. Now we're going to dive into their picks. So we're going to dissect the drop. They're going to give us an overall view, what they think was good about it, what they think could have been better about the picks, the players, and the teams who made their choices. We're going to start this round with Rob Hammerschmidt. So take it away. Yeah. What I think was interesting is we had Heineke Meyer on a couple of weeks ago. And as we talked to Heineke, we were trying to get a sense for what type of team that he wanted to to build and develop. Obviously, Houston uh, did not have the results I think they'd hoped for last season. And I think we got some answers and some insight into how the director of rugby down in Houston envisioned that team being developed. And let's say it's forward heavy. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. You know, I mean, he is an African American favoring forward pack play. That's right. No but, you know, I mean, you're, you're really talking about uh, two guys that, that right off the bat could get some significant minutes add into their mix um, in the forward pack. Uh, you know, one probably at loose forward um, with uh, Tanache um, and Emmanuel could go in there in the second row. And then you partner that with uh, another young guy, Bronson Tellis, who's a, uh, who's a friend of the show. And you really have drafty. Right. And you have a really potent, um, you know, four core guys that you're going to have for quite some time developing in there. And then you've got Dylan Shotwell, who has the potential, I think, at hooker, um, to, to work in within the next uh, couple of seasons. So that was kind of interesting. I also like to see what um, uh, L.A. did. It kind of – I wonder if they're going to be losing some key players as a part of the championship organization, uh, and maybe the picks might might kind of give us a crystal ball. Um, with Glinkowski, a huge unit at 280, and he gets around pretty well for his size. I mean, you can conceivably see him right in there from the get-go – uh, on the grass in 2023, given serious minutes. And then you have a couple physical back row forwards in, in uh, Lowe and James O'Neill. I uh, watched some tape on those guys, and boy, those guys are physical. They're aggressive. Uh, they like the contact. Lowe's another South African, so um, you know how he's going to play. Um, so I really like to see that. And then I liked Austin with uh, their choice of Caleb Sturm. What? Uh, yes, Strum, excuse me, a great compliment to Connor Mooneyham. Very similar size players, very similar styles of play. Um, and I, I'll be excited to watch those two guys on the wings in at the Bold Stadium next season. Right. 
So you pointed out a lot of interesting names there, and you also pointed out interestingly enough names that they could be paired with that were previous draftees. You mentioned Bronson Tellers. You mentioned Amunihan. So the one thing why I bring this up that people always so ask, and they did so <clears throat> last year, and I suspect they will do the same thing this year, right? Is are these guys going to be rugby ready? And you will answer that question by saying that you know Sabercats pick players who could probably fit into the tight five now, um, and build a consistent program around a core unit, which is what they've been lacking. And the same could be said for some other teams. So I like those points that you brought out there, Rob, uh, highlighting some really good talent, and of course the reason that they might have been chosen. So let's hand it over to Arminta and hear her thoughts. Um, so I think that actually every team kind of just picked where where they needed and that some people were surprised that some people made it to the third round and I'm not because you know you could uh, you could see some people you need a scrum half they picked up a scrum half other teams don't need scrum halves um I just I think the only one that I heard um was kind of like oh what was Isaac Bales and I am not surprised at all. I watched him at the USA South um, game before the Old Glory game. Oh my gosh, he's so impressive <laughs> um, and a great guy. So that really um, is awesome to see. Um, but I mean, I, I just didn't think that anything was shocking. Maybe LA picking up a Canadian. I thought that was interesting to deal with that visa process. So um, you mean LA picking a domestic player? <laughs> they still have to have the visa. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm only just stoking the fire and stirring the pot, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, from the University of Victoria. I just, I'm, that's probably the only kind of surprise. I just, I feel like everyone kind of fell into, it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're really lacking this. And, and, they picked up players to kind of fill those voids. I didn't right. really feel like there were any huge giant shocks. Um, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. I, I just, I really wasn't shocked at any of them. Some, yeah. And that's a fair point because, <laughs> you know, when teams go shopping for lack of a better term, they're looking at what gaps they need to fill. And you, you pointed this out perfectly. You highlighted yeah. this important fact. So are they necessarily looking for the best player, uh, you know, out of the draft or what is considered to be the best player? No, because even if you do, do you have him in the right mix, the right position, the right opportunity for your team? So you look at the makeup of your squad. What does it need, right? So as you said, perhaps no giant surprises come out. You know, obviously that's just a matter of opinion, um, but it's relevant that you said that, you know, these guys knew where their gaps were. You know, there weren't any major surprises. A lot of this has been put into good thought. They also do gamble sometimes that the player that they're thinking about might not be picked by anybody else so might they might be willing to wait for round two or maybe even round three because those teams don't need a scrum half for example so those are really really good points um that i like that you brought up and then you know uh, uh, with balancing it with what rob said you know you're looking for the talent that suits your team best um and let's hand it over to to uh, rick collins to hear what he thinks yeah so uh right away as a jackals fan obviously i'm keen on what the jackals are doing and i'm not surprised by what they did but uh in terms of positioning but i'm a right. little bit surprised it felt like they reached on a couple of the picks 
I, I don't dislike the picks. I just think that at the spot that they made those picks, they could have gotten some more talented players. But knowing who's in charge, they had their eye on specific players who fit the mold of a player that they, the character, the um, style of play, the, um, you know, how they're going to fit into a team such as, a you know, gen, um, Gentry. Um, I think Napolsky actually could have been had at 10, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But he's a phenomenal player. Um, uh, talking to him, it sounds like scrum half or fullback. Um, I actually like him at scrum half a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets trained there and ends up playing there. Decor Davis at 10, um, I thought was a little bit of a stretch maybe as well. Um, and he actually is going to be working on front row. So uh, they have him listed as a number eight, but he'll be working on uh, prepping to play front row. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him at loose as well. And then uh, Aaron Gray, I love it. I, you look at the guys that they picked. It's all guys that have played sevens, very dynamic, play well in the loose, tacklers. Um, that's just, I mean, it's who they looked at last year. Alejandro Torres, I actually thought was a, was a uh, not only a surprise pick but I, for the Jackals, but I thought was a very good pick at 23. Um, he could have gone higher based on what I've seen and what I've heard. He is a phenomenal rugby player. I mean, he's not a guy who picked it up a few years ago. This is a guy who's been playing, play U20s for Argentina. He is a baller. He can step right in at inside center or even fly half and play. Maybe not be one of the best, but can play. Right. Rick, I, I, I agree with you. I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop in, but mm-hmm. I watched some tape of him and and I passed it around to some, some folks. And let me tell you, that kid delivers a ball that's flat. He delivers it. He puts guys in the space. He is got a lot of tools in his arsenal. He kicks well. He grubbers well. He chips well. Um, he can hit the cutout pass. I mean, I think in his in his tape, he hit about uh, three or four cutout passes that really put guys in the space. Uh, to me, um, I, I agree. I thought he should have gone earlier, but I think he's the ge- I think he's going to be the gem of the draft. He's one of those guys who can really develop well over the next couple of years. I agree. Now, I love Emmanuel Albert, and I, I'm not going to say he's a value of the draft. He was the number two pick, but yeah. he is phenomenal. He reminds me absolutely of Maro Itoji. Like, absolutely. The way he plays, the, the style, the aggressiveness, um, his ball carrying, absolutely. Um, you know, going up in the air and catching uh, lineouts. Um, and then my other values were George Sharp, I think, from Arkansas State. He's going to be a starter very quickly in this league. Um, LJ and Machina, I think, are my best values in this, in this draft. So let's rewind a little bit because you spoke, you know, from what – is in your wheelhouse, the Dallas Jackals. So let's go back a little bit. So the, the first pick, they were fortunate enough because as an expansion team, if you're not familiar, as a fan who may be watching or listening to us, they're an expansion team, so they were entitled to the first pick of the first round and every round subsequently. In their first choice, they chose Eric Naposki, who, by the way, I had the privilege of seeing at Rugby Town 7's phenomenal player. As you pointed out, a great utility back uh, scrummy, fly off, fullback. But what those three positions say, he's a great decision maker. Mm-hmm. So that's really important to be able to have. And I wanted to be able to frame this properly because on the back of what Armenta was saying, that 90% of the other teams, you know, they picked spots, picked players according to spots of what they had available. Dallas are in the rare position that they're creating an entirely new side. <laughs> 
So they get to determine what that's going to look like from get go. So there's a major advantage depending on how you look. I, at so it, right? I, I think it's a, dis a disadvantage though because we don't know what they have in their pocket already. They, there has there have been players assigned to Dallas already right. that we don't know about. So yes, but they know and they made their picks exactly. Right. This, My, so with but that as a in fan, mind, we're sitting here going. Why did they take that guy right. there when they right. could have had this? Well, but they they have they have Isn't the big question out of, out of five draft picks, they, they picked four backs and one forward? Well, I mean, this is going to be my point, yeah. But I think so, sometimes that you pick, you you also pick on who is going to fit your team the best. Who is, right. like we have the culture a the coach team from New Zealand right. who has a very different style than like say maybe a South African coach or, you know right. what I mean, a, a coach you know, on a different team. A coach period and, if we had one. And, and do you, and. But you have a mascot. And. Yes. <laughs> Very important. And do so you, you and like, your priorities right? Fit? Sorry, we're derailing our minds completely. Something no. Right, just, is it, is it a good fit? Because yeah. sometimes you've already, you've talked to those kids and, you know, they might not be a good fit for what you're looking for. And right. maybe, you know, you're looking for, a specific type of person that you can kind mm -hmm. of mold versus a I've seen you play five times because that's some that's like some colleges only play five times. <laughs> like, these, these players, you know I mean? these players ring of Elaine Bassey and she she is in charge of, you know, players and coaches at this point. And it just absolutely it it sings of her um understanding of players and what she wants and also the right. way that she likes to develop young players and and that's absolutely what i'm seeing in this draft and and if you were just you know taking a glance at their picks and determine what the style of play would be as rob pointed out you got four strong backs running rugby is what's important yet yeah? young talent that you can grow into the team's culture and form this identity around that style of play that hopefully will make them famous as uh, our mentor pointed out so with all that being said we've now taken the opportunity to dissect from your point of view the draft we now need to be able to jump into who are the overall best who comes out on top as a team their picks chosen and who do you think could have probably come out better with a little bit better picks in this draft. We're going to open it up with Rick where we ended it and we'll swing back around until we meet it at Rob. So Rick, tell us overall, what is your final thoughts? Short and sweet. I love what Houston did. I think that all three of their players will be able to come in and compete at a starting position right off the bat. And they're players that are not only going to compete and play in year one, but their players are going to play five years, six years down the line. Uh, Fantastic. Who do you think could have done better? I, I, I have to say, I think the Jackals, um, you know, it, outside of Torres, I think that uh, there's some reaches in there, but it's, it's, that's, she's got players in mind that she wants and, you know, I'm sure it'll turn out well, but when you look at it and you're like, man, you passed up this guy to get this and it's, it, right. It's painful until you see the whole thing together. Well, the nature of this, though, is you will only really know if it was a great pick a few years down the road, right? <laughs> Especially when you don't have the head coach in place and you don't know what any of the other players are yet. Right, right. But you have that mascot. Please don't forget about that, okay? <laughs> so, Aminta, your thoughts. Who did a great job? Who could have done better? 
So I think Old Glory actually did an amazing job. Um, I think that the players that they picked fit in the culture of Old Glory. And I think, um, especially with one of them, you know, being from DC, I think that is, I think it's, they're going to fit right in. Um, and I think we needed exactly what we got. Um, right. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Interestingly enough, Old Glory, you know, trading out some of their spots, which we didn't highlight the tradings and things like that, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it does have merit in the conversation. The two picks that were chosen for Old Glory DC, Palermo Roberts, uh, Life University product. So obviously we understand that they have a strong connection to Rugby Atlanta. They, they provide a great pro quality rugby. Uh, and then the other one, Penn State Center, Labby Koi Lobby. I hope I'm saying that right. L LJ. You can just say LJ. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, LJ. <laughs> okay. Much easier. So uh, great to be able to highlight that you enjoyed those picks. Who do you think could have done a better job, though? So I think the only kind of head scratcher is LA. Like, you have to wonder what their team is looking like if um, they're picking like they picked two flankers. And so who are they losing? Um, I guess that was the only kind of one that I did, didn't fully make sense um, in terms of you couldn't get kind of a clear picture of where their team was headed. Right. Um, everyone else you could kind of go, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but I think that LA right. is the only one that was And like, this also on the back of the fact that the Giltinis at the kind of nearer towards the tail end of the season, it also picked up other players that they boosted their academy programs from the Colorado XOs, one of which was also a flanker. So, you know, are they just looking for depth or are they expecting big changes? Right. Good point there. I like that. Let's hand it over to Rob. Um. Who are the winners? Um, I, I, again, I'm going to go back. I really liked, uh, I think Austin had some nice choices. Uh, Caleb Strum, again, complimenting, Mooney, complimenting Mooneyham on the other side. I really liked that selection. Um, and then, sorry, I'm going to, I'm flipping through my notes here. Um, and then uh, let's see who else would, did they have on the table there? They had, um, you know, picked a, a, another guy that was experienced in the tight five that could add, uh, some depth to their forward pack, provide them a platform for the back. Talking about Austin yeah. still, so Carter would be the one yeah. that you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Asa Carter, I don't think he's a second rower. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's where he played in college at Arc State. Um, I think he's probably a better flanker, probably an open side, but that's a real nice compliment to their back row with uh, on the other side of the flank, Michael Duvall, another young college guy that came out of college two years ago. Um, the losers, uh, first of all, let me rephrase it. Um, the head scratchers that I'm interested to see what happens in NOLA. And it's not that I thought their picks were bad. It's just that here's what I notice: They picked three, uh, three players, one, a hooker, George Sharp, uh, Rick talked about him. Um, you know, they already had um, two really outstanding hookers that shared some spots there. Are they going to lose one of those two? Right. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see what's going to happen with Eric Howard? We're not sure. And they had a couple of guys in, that were young guys waiting in the wings there um, on their academy program. So what's going to happen there is George Sharp going to slide him. The other one is they actually picked a scrum half and a scrum half fly half. Right. And and uh, Carm 
Consolino, right up, uh, right up the road, uh, just over the border from Wisconsin's a scrum half fly up, but it's, it's looking from what people say is going to be more at scrum half. So if they pick two scrum halves, they already have two veteran scrum halves that complement each other very well. Don't forget they have key and Barry, uh, that's been there for a year. So, uh, that's five <laughs> scrum halves that I'm counting I'm going, um, something, I mean, believe me, Fitz has a plan. I, I I'd say scratcher. Cause I'm going, I wonder what it is. Right. Well, Nola also this past season were a victim of many injuries. So, yeah. yes, depth is good, but how deep do you have to go, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, maybe there's some changes, you know, kind of the same point that Aminta had made. Maybe there's some changes coming. Obviously, we don't know the second half of the story. We don't have that inside scoop as to really why these choices are being made. But at face value, we're looking at what they have to gain by picking these players and what the current situation of those teams are. And on that comparison, I think it's a fair point. Do you really need five scrummies on your roster? Just um, keep in mind, Fitz is, and, and um, Coach O are big fans of identifying that we like the player, but we see him at a different spot. So that's kind that's of where true. I started. I've heard Nate Osborne say that before. And to, to that point, They've already shown that that concept uh, or proven that concept with the existing squad, and much can be probably be said the same for for uh, for Austin and for uh, perhaps Dallas. These guys might never play those positions. They might be you know identified as something else, especially in the case of Dallas, right? <laughs> yes. So that all being said, I think that we've taken the opportunity to dissect it very well. There's obviously a lot more that we could share. Uh, but as it stands, we have identified those that you feel did a great job and those that could perhaps been a little bit better. So we're going to take a break now to be able to share a few words from our sponsor, and we'll be back to be able to talk about Rugby 7. So stick around. We'll be back. Hey, rugby fans, as you know, it is somewhat of a tradition that we need to be able to highlight our partners who help make the rugby rant possible, one of which you can see Rob enjoying over there is Rugby Coffee. Now, if you don't know Rugby Coffee, they are certainly one of those pioneers in rugby that are using the medium of coffee, conversation, and rugby to be able to help grow the sport. Every time that you grab a bag of one of their Jouet Jouet or their crowd favorite, which are specially crafted North American blends for Canada and the U.S., every single purchase that you make, 10% of the proceeds will go to be able to uh, help rugby grow at a youth level in both the U.S. and Canada. So it's an incredible way to be able to give back by enjoying a cup of coffee. Wouldn't you agree, Rob? 100%. As a matter of fact, uh, I've got a little plan hatching in the back of my mind to involve rugby coffee in precisely what their aims and goals are and um, mix that a little with my own interest. Uh, Carm Consolino, just a, a third-round draft pick from um, – Nola Gold is actually up in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, a place that I visit quite often. And uh, he and I are planning on meeting over the Labor Day weekend coming up um, not too long from now at a coffee shop nearby. I'm going to bring some of the Jouet Jouet, my favorite. It's a little darker, a little bolder with me. I'm going to ask that they do a pour over for us both while we do an interview and talk rugby. And I'm hoping to share that with the Rugby Rand fans. So, um, you know, again, I want to make coffee and rugby conversation go hand in hand and make for a great and enjoyable experience uh, with this opportunity. So hopefully you guys will get to see the product of that here in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I love that. You know, and if you wanted to go and check them out, 
rugbycoffee.com. They do have those two North American blends. Rob's favorite is the little darker French roast, the Jouet Jouet. Uh, the crowd favorite is, of course, very popular as a lighter roast. Check it out. Very reasonable price. And for those Toronto Arrows fans, you have your own special blend that's being shared very recently. So, of course, that'll go to being able to help youth rugby programs with Toronto Arrows uh, help develop the next generation of rugby players out there with a cup of coffee. What better reason to be able to pick up a cup? Welcome back, rugby fans. Again, you know the rugby rant is where we put ourselves and our guests to the test to be able to debate the topics at hand. As we move forward into our next round, our ranters are ready. What they will debate on this occasion, we ask to them, should rugby sevens be more of a priority across North America? And if so, why? We're going to be able to hand this over to our starting ranter. We're going to begin this rant with where should we start it? Maybe I should mix it up. I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to ask Aminta to go first. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. So I actually think that there should be more emphasis placed in sevens. And I think that there's a place for sevens in the U.S. and with the U.S. audience. We saw that in the Olympics. We saw how crazy, I call it the Alona Mar effect. Like, yeah. it just went crazy. And in the weeks after the Olympics, there were so many women and kids and, you know, young, younger rugby players who, you know, had never seen it or were excited by it. Um, and so I feel like it can kind of reach a wider audience because you're not in that two hour time frame. It's a shorter time frame. It's faster, quicker paced. Um, I also feel like, you know, it's not just exclusive to sevens. There were so many MLR players who played in the national rugby championships, or the club championships, I should say. Um, and I feel like it absolutely corresponds and especially um, with the 2250 rule possibly going into effect, I think that that is going to um, create some space um, in the back for some runners. And I mean, that's all that sevens players need is space. And then they're off. <laughs> right. Off to the races, as they say. Yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. So let's I want to make sure that I properly uh, gave this the, the, the spotlight. Ilana Mur, right? A female Olympian, rugby sevens, now superstar, influencer, YouTuber, Instagram, whatever, right? TikToker. So, TikToker. TikTok. See, TikTok. Aging myself. Whatever right? that is. Whatever that is. <laughs> what are the kids doing these days? Um, <laughs> so more to the point connected with an audience that didn't necessarily know rugby and was connected to it in a completely unorthodox way, not by what's on the field, but by the personalities behind the rugby mm -hmm. ball off the pitch. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so brilliant about it. And it was through a, a medium that was easy to access, free to be a part of. So why wouldn't you encourage this? And what Sevens has that 15s arguably doesn't have is the ability to profile them, give them the opportunity and the platform to do so. So you can create uh, these stars, these rugby stars that people can follow 
and they can learn more about the sport through those personalities. And of course, Ilana Mer being a fantastic example. Thank you for bringing that one up. Um, so Rugby Sevens is a great product. It's marketable, it's short, it's quick, and it's most of all entertaining. And that's what new fans need. With all that being said, let's hand it over to Rick Collins. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to sell sevens like you would 15s. And I I would hesitate to do anything that would take anything away from 15s. But I think that you can go in a completely different route with sevens. Sevens should almost be uh, run by its own organization because you need a separate marketing team that understands marketing the way uh, sevens needs to be marketed. You need to have a separate organizational structure that will say, okay, this is how we're going to handle uh, invitational teams and things like that, that 15s doesn't really have. Uh, there's a lot of different aspects to rugby sevens. Tree is a different sport. Um, and you can then co, um, you know, market between the two sports because people that like sevens may end up liking 15s and vice versa. I started out with 15s and fell in love with sevens. Um, and I love both. And I go to all the events for both, as many as I can. And I think both sports are fantastic in their own way, but they are two different sports. And I think that sevens in the U.S. especially can be huge because the, I think we have a much better chance at winning a sevens championship, whether that's a World Series championship or whether that's an Olympic championship gold medal um, than we do in uh, 15s in either the women's or the men's. Um, now, that means don't take away from what we're doing in progressing in 15s. It means adding on and adding to what we're doing in 7s. And I think the PR7s, as an example, is a great example of how we can continue to add on to 7s and create new fanships. Now, I don't see them really marketing yet the way I would think you would market, like you're saying with Mar, like they need to find ways to hit youth and get youth involved in seeing what's happening in 7s. Um, I, I'm hoping they'll eventually get around to doing that, but that's what PR Simmons could become, I think, for the U.S. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I want to be able to focus on from your rant. One is, as you said, that they should be recognized as two different sports. Completely agree, right? Because they are. And even the most ardent rugby fan will agree they're two completely different games, yet they are both rugby but they also appeal to different fans and for different reasons because they are different products. You said that you enjoy 15s first and became a sevens fan. I think maybe in the US it might be the other way around for the yeah, majority though. I agree. So in that regard, you know, sevens is a great product that can be marketed. It's a wonderful gateway sport to being able to then enjoy rugby 15s. So are they complementary? Absolutely. Should they also be separated? For sure, because rugby sevens will connect with a casual fan more easily because uh, it's high pace, high, high energy, although it still has many of the same laws, if not almost exactly the same. The way that they're interpreted in the field of play allows more free-flowing rugby, right? Which is what makes rugby exciting. It's what people know. Even the most casual fan will say, I like it because it's it's end-to-end -end action and it's continuous play. So highlight those things. 
I love that we, we, we addressed that. Then on the second half of what you had said is, you know, events like PR7s being able to embrace the technology we have available with social media. Why not? It's free. So surely that should be the first thing and if not the biggest tool mm -hmm. that you use because it's available to everybody. So how do you connect with an audience? Well, your answer is right in front of you. <laughs> um, so why wouldn't you go ahead and embrace that even if, I mean, what budget do you need? Just time. That's all you need, right? Um, and then, of course, the rest should hopefully follow. Um, so I love all those points. I don't want to dig into anything more because I'm sure Rob Hammerschmidt has a lot to share. So, I, I, Rick, uh, lightning in a bottle right there when you were talking about the, you know, separating the USA 7s and make it something independent, because quite frankly, I think, and I'm not going to get into deep, I don't want to get anybody in trouble from, from people I've talked to, um, there's, there's not much thought given to the organization and the process, progress uh, and progression of players and progression of coaches so that we're, we're recycling and, and getting better and improving. But that's a conversation for another day. The bottom line is I think more emphasis can be put on it, not just financial, but also energy and commitment to it. Um, of course, the Olympic, the fact that it's a, the Olympic committee funds it helps USA sevens out. I, I don't, I'm not as familiar, sorry to Canadian friends up, up to the North. I'm not sure how Canada does it, but I know in USA Olympic funding helps. And so um, it's it's a way to build on the success. I mean, quite frankly, even in, in Canada and the United States, we are far better in both the men's women games at sevens on the world stage than we are at 15. So why not build on that success, make these players, you know, first, uh, you know, first names, first faces in households, and then build from there. Um, and what a greater opportunity to do that than the PR sevens being introduced. So now there's a professional league from which these players who we now know can have even more exposure, becoming more household names on both the men's and women's side. And finally, what a better way to grow the game than through sevens. And, you know, in Chicago, we don't have any problems filling young teams with uh, 15, you know, young 15s teams with players because we have a huge player base, but go to Ties, Iowa. Right, where yeah. they exclusively in the high school and, and younger levels play sevens. What a better way to institutionalize rugby than through touch sevens. You know, start start with there and build rugby that way in the youth. Introduce some of the laws and right. rules and then grow it from that point and give those kids a professional pathway so that they can see what can be done within rugby and they become lifelong fans. I love that that you brought that up, but I just want to jump on this one because you mentioned Iowa, which of course uh, you know, <laughs> um, I know how to win points, Ty. <laughs> So, yeah, well, you get an extra Where point. Is but it is a good been? point, but it's a point I originally told him about, so it came back to me. <laughs> so Cheater. that's a borrowed point. But more to, to the point, excuse the pun, is, yes, I agree. To bring it into school level, you're more likely to do so with a sevens program because you need fewer players. And then it's also equal sport opportunity. Both female and male have the ability to play the sport. And especially with rugby sevens uh, being adopted a, a, as a female sport, it's probably got a tremendous opportunity to grow even faster than the boys side, because what other options are there for a contact sport at those high school levels uh, for, for young ladies, right? Who want to be able to play. And maybe I'm not the best person to answer that, but I'd imagine there's a lot of more opportunity than there is for, for, for that than there might be for the guys because of football. And I also wanted to be able to jump on the football point for a moment is that when we think about the best athletes that are in America, and we've rehashed this point in different versions of our debates, the best athletes are not playing rugby. 
But if they are going to convert to rugby, it might be easiest to do it with sevens. We've got great examples, and I'm sure everybody's got one on the tip of their tongue ready and locked and loaded, um, but we don't have to go into that. But yet it is an easier pathway and transition with rugby sevens and the other half of that rick you gotta let me finish i'm gonna give you the next (laughs) (laughs) rick's like sir yes no (laughs) it's like are you stealing third or (laughs) um so i get I, i go back to my point i circle back around to it the one thing that i had a conversation with that came up from my rugby town sevens event there was a lot of great new fans and probably the same could be said for the national club sevens any sevens event a lot of new fans easy to be able to stand but one thing came up that i thought was pretty interesting and somebody else mentioned me they said you know why sevens is going to be popular with even the best athletes in america if they can finally get them to connect with it and to experience it is because an nfl player will never have the chance to win an olympic medal right And there lies something that is so precious that if they could actually harness the energy behind that power of being an Olympian and the dream that you aspire to to reach the highest levels of sport in general. Play for your country. Play for your country. That there alone is a great inspiration why you should play rugby sevens. Ty, my point, my last point is what is a better way for American rugby to become more skilled? To sit and and deal in rucks every ten minutes, or to be able to pass the ball thirty yards, right, and, and run in space, run in offloads. It, you see what the Fijians do, right? I mean, the skill base is what's important in rugby sevens. It's right. not necessarily being super fast. And, so and those if skills you can build those skills between fifteens and sevens. Yeah, transition of the skills. I mean, we can be a more skilled 15s if we have better sevens. And and by the way, think about this. If we, I mean, if we continue on a trajectory and grow both men's and women's side of the game in North America on the Olympic stage, which is the second most popular event in the world to watch, those players who are highlighted will again become those household names and more and more kids will say, yeah, uh, I want to do that. Machine. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. We've stayed the course on this one. As you know, we come to that moment in every episode where we need to decide who is the winner of this rant. And I tell you, this is in recent days been one of the best that we've had. And I'm only saying that because Scott's not here. Correct. But, you know, it, it, more to, to, to I don't wish hurricanes on the Northeast, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now, it has been um, certainly an interesting debate. There are so many great points where everybody came locked and loaded with things to add value to the conversation. But I'm going to hand this one to Arminta. Ooh. Congratulations on the win. How do you feel? Amazing. Like I won a gold medal. <laughs> Thank you. You, you honor us. I, I think it's a, you know, you give us too much credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, in the end of the day, rugby is going to be the winner, right? We're here oh, debating yeah. a sport that we obviously are all passionate about. Um, we have the ability to be able to do this. Uh, only because of other passionate partners. So I wanted to be able to just take a moment to be able to highlight them again. You know, Rugby Coffee truly is one of those brands that you've got to be able to get behind. You know, I like to be able to support 
a product, a company, an entity that, that stands for something. And for me, it shares the same core values of our show and I believe our fans. So go ahead, get a couple of the rugby copies, Jouet Jouet, or of course the crowd favorite. Uh, Can I Brands is another one. Again, don't forget about them, canibrands.com. Mend, heal, refresh. And then if you want to be able to enjoy a beer, you got to do it at a pub with uh, lots of rugby fans. It's got to be in Mundelein, Illinois at the Tighthead uh, Brewing Company. Um, and, you know, we're better to be able to enjoy rugby than with friends. So with point. all that being said, I also want to remind you that you can continue to be able to watch our show each and every week on our social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We will release episodes every Monday with an interview that we've entitled the Run Parcel Kick Interviews. That'll be with another rugby insider each and every Monday, 8 p.m. CST. Alternatively, you can see us on the Rugby Network every Friday for another rugby debate. And on this occasion, sharing the, the screen with us is Rick Collins from Texas Rugby Monthly. We have Arminta Gunkel, the super fan for Old Glory DC, and of course, the familiar face of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. My name is Ty Braga, and we will see you at the next. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.